It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest is Lala Brooks, original lead singer of The Crystals, who will be performing at the Suncoast Showroom this Saturday, September 21st at 8.30. For ticket information, go to suncoastcasino.com. And for everything about Lala Brooks, follow her on Facebook. And Lala, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You grew up, you were performing in the stoops in Brooklyn with your uh, friends, and you've always had that part of you that goes back to that. And you seem to carry it with you no matter where you go. Am I, am I somewhat correct on that? Oh, sure. That's where we started from. I think most artists from the 60s, we started performing like just in the, on the stoops and walking around the block in Brooklyn, you know? And when people heard you, did they know or have a sense? I mean, I think you had a sense, but do the people around you have a sense that you're going to go places? Well, I think so, because I sang gospel in church when I was seven years old. So I didn't think I was going to be, you know, rock and roll singer, but I, my parents and the people in the neighborhood knew I could sing. Were they surprised when you did they put, go into that detour into pop or into rock music? My parents, you mean? Yes. Oh, sure, because naturally you think of gospel more than you would think of rock and roll, you know, in my, in my, with my parents. They weren't um, upset or angry or... But, you know, naturally, they didn't understand the music. Well, yes. <laughs> at, that, at that time, I don't think anybody above, the, as they like to say, above the age of 30 understood any of that music. But, right. Uh, so clearly, eventually, when they would listen to the radio, naturally, they understood what rock and roll was about. And, um, you know, other music from Scottsdale, they got it after. There were some people that, had an impact on your career. Among them would be Phil Spector, Dick Clark, and others. Who are some of the people that maybe you haven't talked about publicly before, but who had an impact on your career and your direction in music? Well, there's a lot of people I work with. Sam Cooke was one of them. The Crystals worked with Sam Cooke a lot. Sam And then there was, this, yes. there was a singer that I really admired, the way she sang, but a lot of people don't know about it, Baby Washington. Was she any relation to Dinah Washington? No. Okay. And I did like Brenda Lee. I liked her sound, too. Yes, Brenda's an interesting person. I had her on the show a couple years ago. You mentioned Sam Cooke, and he... I remember there was a record he sang where Lou Rawls was in the background singing counterpoint to his song. And Sam Cooke, I think, resurfaces every 10 years or so, and people suddenly discover him again. Oh, yeah. Sam Cooke was amazing, you know? And um, he used to book the crystals. Any toy he did, he would always ask, you know, the promoters or whatever to put the crystals on the show with him to perform as one of the acts. And a lot of times people used to think that people in the business thought that he was managing us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because we worked with him so much. Right. He was brilliant. But he was an obviously admirer of the group and... It was a good association for you and the group to be involved with him. Oh, yes. Yeah. Sam was the best. Talented. Everything about him, you know. 
He had that gospel sound, but also he had that pop sound, rock sound. He just was so gifted as a performer and as a singer. When you were working with Sam Cooke and others, did you, looking, I know you can't look forward 20, 30, 40 years, 50 years, but did you know that your sound would be around so many years or decades after your original success? No, not really. (laughs) But it it, still amazes me. It still amazes me. It it does. Love the music. And it's something that it's not just a recording because clearly you can hear the records, but they come out to see you. So there's there's that show element to it as well. And I know a lot of the groups from that period really put effort into the show aspect of it, not just replicating the sound of the original record, so to speak, but they, they just put on a show. Exactly, exactly. But there was no way in the world I would think that we would be performing today at this age and this time. But it's amazing that the 60s music, from what I see and what I hear, and even I've heard rappers that sample music for their beats, I've heard them express that the 60s music was the best music. Do you think it was... For them to even sample from. Do you think it was partly because of the era, but partly also because of the people involved, such as yourself and the group, and certain composers and producers and arrangers? I think it was just the right time. I also um, think it was the innocence. You know, we weren't... um, We were real. Everything was live. The music was live. The instrumentation was authentic, different pure, you know, so everything I think was more natural and not synthetic and anything that you do with any kind of music or in life when it's natural, people gravitate towards it. Yes, I think you're right. I think it's, they sense the authenticity and... That's what it is. Yeah. You don't get that too often, especially in the world of of show business and the way it's done today uh, on television and movies and even on the stage to a large degree, so many, so many performers lip sync or there's just, it just doesn't have that feel of a live act, a live performance. Right. They may not know what they, they're feeling, you know, because they're just listening, but it has an effect because it's pure. So when you go out on the stage today, meaning this year, or obviously you've been doing it for a long time, but when you go out on the stage today, do you put yourself in the moment so that you're communicating with the audience that's in front of you rather than thinking about something else? You, in other words, you step out on stage with the group and you and the band, and you are communicating directly with those people in the showroom. Oh, sure. I'm in the moment. I'm right there. I'm not full. There's one thing about me. I'm not full. I mean, if my feet hurt, I'm taking off my shoes. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what I'm saying? I like it, and yeah. And I'll tell the audience, you know, I've got to take these shoes off because my feet are killing me. <laughs> and they, so I'm real. So as soon as yeah, I, re- you know, I'm saying, I'm yeah, not going to be false. Yeah, they, re- they relate to you as a human being. Yeah, because I am. Right. I mean, it's just the fact that it's so crazy when people, even some of my colleagues or the colleagues that are the show business people that are entertainment now, in this day and age, if you're not real with the audience and it's all about money and pompous and arrogance and 
tried and whatever you want to call it. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know, you burn out because it's just a job. It's just a nine-to-five job. I mean, like a nine-to-five job. Like, But it's, my job is entertainment, but that doesn't say that I should feel different or better than someone. I mean, I worked a nine-to-five job when I came back from Europe, and I never worked a day in my life. And when I came back from Europe, I worked on a nine-to-five job for a few years, and I, I thought I was the best in the world. I loved working on the job because I never did it in my life. So it was like, oh, this is real cool. <laughs> it's a work ethic, isn't it, in that sense? Yeah, you know, to get up in the morning, put your clothes up at night, go and make sure that you have a purpose. To me, that was like, oh, I do have a purpose. <laughs> I was wondering. I know it's so crazy. No, but... it's it's not crazy at all. In fact, I was wondering whether you ever thought about doing motivational speeches because your philosophy is very real and is also very positive in the sense of you know you you whether you're an entertainer or you're working in a shoe store, you have a job and a job has its own dignity no matter what it is, and you commit yourself to it and you get up early, you get your clothes on, you go and you do it or at night, whatever it is. So. Have you ever thought about that, maybe doing a motivational speech to people? Well, I, I'm doing that. I don't do it. It's not like a motivational speaker. But, I mean, I'd love to do that. But, like, every year, I'm, in fact, on the, the September 11th, I speak at one of the great colleges here um, in, in Long Island. And I'll speak with um, the students mm-hmm. that are taking one of the major courses is music. And I'll go speak to them. And I do it every year. I, I speak at colleges, just one college, really. But I'd like to do it as motivational speaker because, because um, every year they hire me back, and it's been about four years now because they can feel that I'm real. You know, I'm just a normal person that has a job to entertain them. So when you speak to the students, you're not talking to them about any technical aspects of musicianship or singing, what you're really talking to them about, and I'm assuming here, is about how to be yourself on stage or in performance. Yes, that's what I talk with them about. And sometimes if they're thinking about writing music or being in show business or they'll ask me, how did I start? If they had a thought of going in it, what should they do? How do they should feel? And whatever they ask me, whatever question they ask me, I'm open to answer. Again, it's very unusual. A lot of people in show business, even the 24-hour wonders who come and go, a lot of them have this ego that, and I think it's to mask insecurity. You have a very secure sense of yourself, so you're able to be in that business and yet be yourself. And as you say, you're doing a job as other people do their jobs. Sure, and that's why if I... I mean, thank God I'm able to do it. But if it came time that I want to retire and I'm not able to do it, I'm not going to sit in the corner and bug out and cry. I'm just going to go get a a job and work with other people or do something else that's, you know, active or motivates me, being around people, like going to the hospitals, talking to the people, or going to schools with the children, or anything that makes me available for another person's happiness or sadness or, you know, because I know this world is crazy now and everybody needs somebody to talk to. It sounds... 
Yeah, it's, I don't do show business. I do. I, I would do that. It sounds, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds that part of your approach is to be of service to others. Yeah, I love that. And you know, did you learn that when you were when you were singing gospel when you were growing up in terms of school, or has that just always been part of your nature? I think it's been part of my nature because even when I was very young, um, my sister that was two years older than me, she used to get upset when I'd say something to my mom that I felt was fair or I felt was unfair. But I would communicate where some girls wouldn't, you know, communicate with their mom like that or their parents. I always was felt that I had to express myself. I also had to hear what other people were saying. So I think as a kid, I was very in tune to helping people, talking to people, and, you know, just being there for the person that needs, needs a, or just needs to be helped or talked to. Or, I mean, sometimes I've walked down the street with my manager. I know this is crazy, but sometimes he looks at me like I'm a whack job. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I so. Down, I think it's because he's in show business, and so anybody that thinks of what you do is going to be a whack job, because you're, you really are coming from a very human place. Right, and we walk down the street, like we go out to dinner, sometimes when he comes over on Sunday, and just by coincidence, somebody's walking past me, a lady, she's walking past me, she's crying. And I said to my manager, look, she's crying. I wonder what she's crying for. And he's, um, 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 he could care less. And so I'm walking a few blocks and I'm saying, wow, I just wonder what she's crying for. He says, you don't even know her. What are you worried about that for? I said, because it's going to bother me. But because I, I want to run back and ask her, what are you crying for? It's going to be okay. And I'll go to dinner. And that lady that I saw crying, it's still bugging me. <laughs> Gee, I could see that. I could see why his Terrible. frustration. He, you're ruining his dinner by concerning yourself about the poor woman. But I yeah, understand I it absolutely. It, yeah, I won't say it anymore to him because I'll be eating dinner, but it's still in the back of my head. Well, it That's, sounds like you're empathetic. What are those tears for? Yeah, you know I, I mean, you're, you're empathetic to people and and sympathetic to people, and I think it just comes out that way. Then. Yeah. Yeah. I just have to watch it today is because in my day, you could speak up if you saw something wrong or whatever. But today, you don't have these wackies that'll take out something to hit you with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's, I mean, it's sad, but it's, it's, it's funny and sad and true. Well, let's take a break. My guest is Lala Brooks, original lead singer of The Crystal. She'll be performing at the Suncoast Showroom this Saturday, September 21st at 830. For ticket information, go to suncoastcasino.com. And for everything about Lala Brooks, you can follow her on Facebook. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. You think you know Vegas? But how much do you really know about this neon city? See the dark side of the bright lights at the Ma Museum where you can explore how a tough little town transformed into a gaming metropolis with a little help from organized crime. You won't find these stories of lawbreakers and law enforcement, mob bosses and prosecutors anywhere else. The Ma Museum in downtown Las Vegas. 
More information at themobmuseum.org. Now let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm talking with Lala Brooks, original lead singer of The Crystals, who will be performing at the Suncoast Showroom this Saturday, September 21st at 8.30. For ticket information, go to suncoastcasino.com and for everything about Lala Brooks, follow her on Facebook. Lala, just a, a quick question. I was intrigued by how you developed the name Lala because your original name, your legal name was Dolores. So how did you become Lala? Well, my sister, um, that's two years older than me. When I was born, she couldn't say Dolores. So I guess as a two-year-old, and I'm her baby sister, and with my mom probably telling her my name, she goes from Lolo, Lala, Dolo, you know, because this is a two-year-old, so it's my sister that started calling me from Dolores. She got Lala. <laughs> so it probably went up to Lola, Lolo, Lolo, Lola, and it came to Lala. Captain. Everybody calls me Lala. My only one that didn't call me La, Lala was my dad. My dad called me Dolores. My mother called me Lala. Everybody else did. So almost in tribute to them, you kept the name for, for purposes of performing. Yes. Yeah, no, that's yes. great. That's a nice connection. And that's a, does your sister, or has your sister in the past teased you about the fact that you have kept it as Lala? Oh, sure. My, well, she's passed away. And my, most of my brothers and sisters have passed. But they always, you know, kept, they never called me Dolores. It was like, they liked it because in my family, everybody was named Darius or Lorraine. or So I was the unique one that had the name of Lala. Yeah, it was so great. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, you start performing, and there's two songs particularly that always stand out, I think, when people think of you. One is the Do Run Run, and then, uh, then He Kissed Me. I understand your favorite song, though, is I'm a Woman in Love, but just on those two songs, people, I'm sure that people, when they come to see you perform, bring their kids, their grandkids, and they all enjoy it because, it, again, it's in, infectious music. And it, it has a, a certain beat to it, and I think everybody can relate to it. So it's kind of interesting to go through the generations and perform for a lot of different people. Exactly. I mean, when Phil gave me that song, The Do Run Run, then he kissed me as a lead vocal. Even though he had his problems and he changed after the years when he moved out to California. But as far as the music is concerned, he gave me one of the verse, the best vocalists and recordings anybody could ever have. Right, and it makes you immortal in that sense because it's always going to be around. Yes, in fact, my son texted me the other day and I forgot, oh, I think he was talking about one of the rappers, Vicky Smalls, copies, you don't run, 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 you don't run, run. He copied that book from the Do Run Run. <laughs> yeah. So this is the rapper. So it's Yeah, like, exactly. Wow. It keeps going so, on. It keeps going yeah. on. Yeah. So I'm, I'm fortunate. Well, we're fortunate, too, because you're still performing. And when you bring your, your show to various cities, you're going to be, in, as I mentioned, in Las Vegas at the Suncoast this Saturday, September 21st at 830. When, when you're performing in front of a group, they probably are already starting to yell out favorites that they'd like. But I'm sure you have a certain structure to the show where you know where you want to have certain songs. You mean as far as the show is concerned, right. picking certain songs? Right. In other words, the, the, the sequence of songs, so to speak. People may be expecting certain songs in the beginning, but you may 
you may scatter them throughout the, the whole show. Yeah, yeah, I do different songs. You know, but basically, if they're here to do one run, then he kissed me. There's no other pop tap things that the crystals did, that they did. They're, they're, they, they love it. So I don't have problems, you know, pleasing the audience, which is, I'm blessed with that. When you look at I the... try to give them whatever they want. Exactly. When you look at the crystals, how would you put them in terms of the number of groups that started at the same time? In other words, there were a lot of groups that were famous for hits at a certain period of time. Crystals obviously was one of them. Is there a way that you look at your group at that time in comparison to the other groups? I'm not sure if I'm making sense, but how did you see yourselves at that time, I guess, in relation to the other groups that were out there? Well, we came out about a year, like 1960, and maybe about a year or two before, well, the Shirelles. Mm-hmm. So we would look at the Shirelles as the sort of big sisters that did, started before us. Did they think of you as little sisters? Yes. And even still, Shirley today will call me little sister. She calls me La. <laughs> and, and she'll call me up sometimes. She said, La. And I say, what, Shirley? You're my big sister. And she said, La, you've always been a good girl. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll start laughing because I'm an older woman now. I'm a grown woman. But she'll always say, La, you're always with a sweetheart. And you always was a good girl. And I say, thank you, Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> I think part of that is you've talked about that in previous interviews where you were around a lot of, let's say, drugs and alcohol and all that stuff. But you were focused more on the singing than on all that peripheral stuff. Yeah, I couldn't. I wasn't into that. I, I was raised from very well parents. And my dad and my mom, they weren't over-religious. And they, was, they weren't fanatics. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But they had balance. They had values, and, too, which therefore... they had values. Yeah. And they always said to me, Respect yourself. You know, I remember, even when I was in a group, and I came, I was at, I'd come off the road. And my, maybe I was, because I started with the crystals when I was 13. It's amazing. Yeah, and I, I did to do run run when I was 15. That's even more amazing, yeah. Yeah, so one day when I came off the road, naturally, I was in Europe and all over Australia and Bermuda. So I come off the road and I have like a, maybe a week or two vacation at home. So naturally, I'm 15 from traveling. You think sort of in your brain, which is just in your brain, that you're grown because your parents are not going to think that. So right. I said to I had nail polish on, and I said to my dad, oh, I'm going out to the, to the Apollo because somebody is, maybe one of the groups is playing at the Apollo. And my dad said to me, no, you're not. I said, why? He said, because you're still a child, and it's too late to go out. And he said, in the meantime, go back in there and take that nail polish off. You only could use it for stage, and this is not stage, your home. And I just went and took the nail polish off and went to bed. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. You, so you really, there was no, there was a respect for your dad, and there wasn't that argument that you normally would expect as a teenager, especially one who has traveled all over the world. Yeah, and see, I travel all over the world. So naturally, I'm coming back and feeling my Cheerios. 
And my, <laughs> my parents would let you know, let you know right away. And then even my sister, my oldest sister, like the first generation, and I'd come in sometimes three o'clock in the morning, and I would still be sleeping because if my plane came in late or I was driven from another place in uh, uh, Milwaukee or someplace that we had to take the car, and our driver would bring us home late. And my sister Dot would come on Saturday in the morning, and I just so happened got home from the show. And my sister, I'd be sort of semi-awake, and I'd hear her say to my mother, what time did Lala come in? And Mama said, oh, Dot, she came in 3 o'clock in the morning. And so Dot would say, well, there are ditches in the sink, and it's like 11 o'clock in the afternoon, going 11 o'clock in the, you know, going towards the afternoon. What makes it a difference? Get her up anyway. <laughs> and I would be so mad because I was like, <laughs> you're not my mother. You know? <laughs> you're my big sister. Yeah, and my good. mother would say, just leave her alone. She says, no, I'm not. Lala? You want to say, what? And she'd say, get up and do the dishes. And I said, oh, boy. But I get up and I do them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that was, a, that was a, in a way, a great grounding in reality where you're traveling around the world and you're on stages all over the place on television, and then now you get home and you got to do the dishes. I sure did. Yeah. And yeah. I had no mouth. I never talked back because my sister was older, much older, and we, weren't we were not taught to speak back to our elders, never in a million years. And I taught my children that too. Yeah, it's 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 a philosophy and, and a way of looking at the world that unfortunately probably the majority of people don't follow anymore, but you can see the results in you and in others that have followed. It's kind of old fashioned and quote unquote old fashioned, but basic. Exactly. And it worked. I mean, um I went into a Starbucks with my older son and um I was just standing waiting and made the order. And then the lady said, well, what do you want? He said a cappuccino, whatever. And he asked him something else. He said, excuse me, ma'am, pardon me, ma'am. And I was like, what? To myself. <laughs> oh, I see my results. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's, in, he's like 52. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. Before we leave you, what would you say for you was your proudest moment? I think the most proudest thing, I have a lot of proud things with, with my parents, but we didn't have that much money. And I remember we never had, we never had a phone. And um, when I got my little check, I remember getting my mother a phone. And she was so happy. And that's the phone that knows she is. When I was 15, they had the lines where Somebody else would be on the line, they'd have to get off. Yeah, the party line. The party lines. And then my mother was so happy to get a phone, and I was so proud that even when I was 15, that I was able to give my parents something, you know? And I think that was the most thing in my, my blessing, that I was able to buy my mom, get a phone, and buy furniture a little bit, things like that. And then sometimes when um, she was short of money for my nephew and my brother during Christmas, I was able to buy them toys and whatever they needed for my mom and my dad. That's a great observation, a great, that's a great remembrance. 
and something that yeah. obviously sticks with you and, and meant a lot to you and still means a lot to you, which is, again, yeah. going back to being human and being fundamental about what life is. Yeah, because they didn't have that much. All right. But we lived like that, but it didn't matter to us. We thought we were rich. Mm-hmm. You know? No. But right. we only had ice cream on Sunday, and sometimes Daddy couldn't get it. We got it most every Sunday, but sometimes he'd come up short. And Mama would say, you know, this Sunday, your daddy can't get the ice cream. And we'd sigh a little bit, oh, Ma. But we didn't argue and we didn't, you know, wasn't up, that upset. But um, we only could have ice cream on Sunday because we just couldn't afford it during the week, you know. But as a result, it meant more to you. Yeah, it meant more to us. Yeah. If you have it every day, then it becomes like you just get used to it and it doesn't mean anything yeah. anymore. Yeah. And we had gratitude. We were so grateful. That's a great way to end it. I appreciate it. My guest has been Lala Brooks, original lead singer of The Crystals, who will be performing at the Suncoast Showroom this Saturday, September 21st at 8.30. For ticket information, go to suncoastcasino.com. And for everything about Lala Brooks, you can follow her on Facebook. And Lala, thanks for being on the show. Oh, I thank you for having me. Say See, hello. I say hello to all my fans. Will do. If it See, wasn't for fans, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah, Thank you.